0: You know, the fight against cancer is getting better all the time, and we hear that from doctors and from researchers, but it can also depend on the type of cancer. Some types have a higher profile and get more attention, more research dollars like breast cancer or lung cancer. But what about something like bladder cancer? It is the 10th most common cancer in the world. And yet, still, to this day, one of the main ways of treating bladder cancer is to just remove the bladder. But for thousands of Canadians each year who are diagnosed with bladder cancer, is there not a better way? Well, there might be. We're going to talk about that right now. Roger White joined us now, President and CEO of Theralize Technologies. Roger, thanks for being here.
1: My pleasure, Sydney. Thank you.
0: So tell me about the work that's being done in bladder cancer.
1: Well, the work that we're doing in bladder cancer is we're trying not to destroy healthy cells. The, the standard of care, as you pointed out, is a radical cystectomy if the patient is what's called BCG-unresponsive. So BCG is a bacteria that was originally developed um, for tuberculosis, Bacillus Calmette-Guérin, and it's the standard of care for treating. So for patients that fail that standard, uh, they're looking at radical cystectomy, so removing the bladder and the associated lymph nodes and vessels and organs, so quite an invasive surgery. So what we're looking to do is to destroy just the cancer, but to keep the bladder and the function for the quality of life of the patient. So we've developed these light-sensitive molecules that have an affinity for cancer cells, so they locate to the bladder cancer cells, not to the healthy cells, and then once they're inside the cancer cells, we can activate them with light. And they destroy the cancer cell without hurting the healthy cells and the, the patients in and out in a, in a one day procedure.
0: Okay, but how do you do that given that in some of these, a lot of these bladder cancer uh, cases, the, the cancer has actually dug itself right into the bladder cancer wall, which can make very difficult to get access?
1: Well, there's two different types. There's two main types, anyways. There's non-muscle invasive bladder cancer and muscle invasive bladder cancer. So, in our bodies, with our bladders, we have what's called the detrusor muscle, which is surrounding the bladder, and we that or we learn to squeeze that as, as children and we can urinate. So if the disease has gotten through the mucosa and the submucosa, the, the inner layers so to speak of the bladder wall into the detrusor muscle then the standard of care is to have the bladder removed. So what we're dealing here is before it gets to that stage because bladder cancer has the unlikely um, knowledge of, of being uh, very recurrent and very progressive. So before it gets to muscle invasive bladder cancer, we want to try to destroy it when it's in its non-muscle invasive bladder cancer stage.
0: Right. Does bladder cancer get enough attention, do you think?
1: I don't think so. I think that uh, for being, as you've stated, 10th most common in the world, it's 6th most common in men. It's 17th in women. But I don't think it gets really the attention that it does because... It's kind of a, a hidden disease. It's, it's something that people really don't know that they have until they, until they start to urinate blood. Then they, you know, something happens, they go see their doctor, their urologist, etc. So it's kind of a hidden disease, and it's not something that people are readily talking about.
0: Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the light therapy there, because it seems to me there has been some talk about using light therapy and cancer treatment for, for decades now. But are we getting closer to making this much more effective?
1: Well, I believe so, because the, as with any technology, it goes through generations. So uh, this technology has literally been around for about 30 years, but the technology that they were using back then, they were using first-generation photosensitizers or photodynamic compounds. So these did not have an affinity for cancer cells. They kind of attacked all cells. And second, they, were, they had a lot of side effects associated with them. You couldn't go out into the sunlight for a number of weeks or a number of months. Um, and they weren't very definitive of destroying the cancer. Then they went to a second generation. We're now at the third generation uh, technology where we have a targeting mechanism where we can target the cancer cells directly through what's called a transferrin receptor. And I can explain that a little bit if you'd like me to.
0: Yes, please, go ahead. Sure.
1: The, uh, in all of our bodies, um, all of our cells need iron. So we have a protein in our body called transferrin, which transports iron to every cell in our body. With cancer cells, the difference why they're so dangerous is they're not unlike healthy cells. They just don't go through death or apoptosis when they're supposed to. So they continue to grow and grow and grow and grow through mitosis. So they take over vessels, they can take over organs, and eventually they can kill the host if you don't destroy them. So it's very hard to destroy cancer. Standards of care are to use surgery to try and cut it out or... Very powerful cytotoxic drugs like chemotherapy, or to use radiation to try to destroy it, but all of these methodologies destroy the cancer cells and the healthy cells and also impugn the immune system of the of the patient. What we're looking to do is to just target those cancer cells. So we target what is most important in a cancer cell is its high mitotic growth rate. So it has a lot more transferrin receptors, they're called, around the cancer cell. So they have 20 to 100 times more. What we do is that iron is very similar to our drug, which is a ruthenium-based drug, and transferrin binds to our molecule and it transports it preferentially to cancer cells, almost uh, like a Trojan horse, being that the transferrin is the transport molecule that takes it to the cancer cells specifically, not to healthy cells. Once it's at the cancer cell site and it's been engulfed inside the cancer cell, we can now light-activate it to destroy it. So the beauty here is to destroy the cancer, not the healthy cells, and preserve the immune system of the patient.
0: Right. Okay. What does it take to get something like this moving forward, Roger? Like Doing this kind of research in Canada, how challenging is it?
1: I think it's very challenging. It's very time-consuming and very expensive. The regulatory authorities, Health Canada, in the United States, it's the FDA. uh, They have very strict rules on it. So you have to go through drug discovery. You go through in vitro work, in vivo work. So you're looking with cells. You're working on technology. You have to go through toxicology analysis. You have to go through a number of of stages, phase one, phase two, phase three. So the whole process for bringing a drug from discovery through to commercialization, uh, they estimate to be about 15 years from start to finish and cost about 1.4 billion U.S. dollars in order to get it there. So it's very, very difficult to get it through. There has to be checks and balances. Obviously, you have to make sure that your drug is safe and it's effective. But I think there's obviously ways that things could be sped up. And I think Health Canada and FDA are doing that. They're trying to address unmet needs and they're trying to address diseases which are they don't have a good solution for or the medical community doesn't have a good solution for so there are different aspects that can move you forward faster in the process but it's still quite an arduous road
0: right so by focusing on something like bladder cancer that doesn't get as much attention is that a way to say hey hey we're working on this we need a bit of a fast track
1: Um, Yes and no. In the United States, they they have fast track, they have breakthrough designation, accelerated approval, and another one called priority review. Um, In the um, Health Canada, they don't have those same uh, terminologies. But there are ways, if you're looking at specific... Um groups of patients that are, are what are called unmet needs. For example, in our group we deal with B C G Bacillus Calmet guerin unresponsive. So patients that have failed standard of care, their non muscle invasive bladder cancer. And then they have a very high grade of the disease called carcinoma in situ, or CIS, which is kind of like a red shag carpet on the inside of the bladder versus a a papillary tumor. So this is a very specific population. In using that specific population for us, uh, we are allowed, if we're successful in completing our phase two clinical study, we don't have to do a phase three clinical study or a comparator arm study. So that moves us faster. So I think to answer your question, I think you'd have to look at very specific or very rare subsets in order to try to move faster in the process.
0: Well, still, it's good news for people who have bladder cancer. So, Roger, thanks so much for your time.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on the show.